Welcome to the Sand Hills Media Ministry. We hope this production encourages and challenges you to live a more Christ-centered life. All right, at this time, I would like to invite some special guests uh, with me this morning. Uh, would you please put your hands together? Welcome Ben and Jen Noonan. All right, so I have invited Ben and Jen out because we're starting a new book today. And uh, I put it in the e-letter. I don't know if you all get the e-letter. Don't know if you read the e-letter. Uh, but if you do get it and you read it, you know we're going to be doing a, a new book. What's the new book we're going to be starting today? First Samuel. Does somebody said another book? I don't know. I don't know. We're not starting that other one. Um, but uh, we will be doing First Samuel. So historically, what I'd love to do is I love to go to the Old Testament and then the New Testament kind of back and forth. But we have had a, kind of a run of New Testament books lately we've been studying. And I do love to do, I mean, every chapter, every verse. I love to do that. Uh, well, we may skip a few. But, uh, but I think to talk about First Samuel, it's going to be really beneficial to have Ben and Jen with us this morning. And then uh, once they tell you a little bit about themselves, you'll know why they're probably gonna be beneficial to us. And Ben and Jen, by the way, are members of Sand Hills Community Church. So we didn't just pluck some random stranger off the street. Uh, this, is a, this is a family. So uh, to be fair, these are doctors, Ben and Jen Noonan. They're both uh, professors. And so tell us, uh, you're both at Columbia International University. Tell us what you do there. So I teach Old Testament and Hebrew and, and love it. I love the Old Testament. Um, I'm privileged to teach Hebrew, Old Testament, and women's leadership. And in addition to the two of us, we have our daughter uh, with us in the back. She's 11. All right. Does she go to St. Kids or is she staying here? She's, she's, she's in here right now? All right. Well, uh, do we talk about cheese now or do you want to do that? <laughs> Her daughter wanted us to talk about cheese. It was weird. Uh, okay. So uh, we're going to be talking uh, about 1 Samuel. And uh, I think it's important. And the reason I think it's important to have you here. So what we're going to be doing today, I would call this an introduction to 1 Samuel. It's an introduction. We're not going to do a lot with the book this morning, but we're going to do a lot with the total of the book. And here's why. So whenever you're going to drive somewhere, if you're like my wife and I, if you're going to drive somewhere you've never been before or you're unfamiliar with, you're going to take out your phone and you're going to put in the address that you're looking for and you're going to punch that button and then uh, she or he, depending on which voice you've chosen and in what dialect you've chosen, uh, will be speaking to you about where you're going. And for me, just a great comfort in having that, you know, turn left at the second light. You know, I just love hearing that, you know, because uh, my wife used to do that, uh, but now we have a service that does it. And so um, now we get to go along and do these things. And this is, this is actually quite beneficial because it just gives you a sense of comfort. Like we're going to get to where we need to be. I feel oriented. I know where we're headed. And this machine is smarter than me. So with that idea, let's do that with 1 Samuel. This is going to be an orientation. We're speaking this into our phone, except for we will be the phone this morning talking about it. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about the, the Old Testament. So uh, the Old Testament just in general can be intimidating, I think, to some people. And so as we think about the Old Testament, uh, and we're New Testament Christians, how, how do we, as New Testament Christians, view the Old Testament? How would you respond to that? So I think it's helpful to start off first by taking our cue from the, the New Testament, what the New Testament says about the Old Testament. And so if you think about Paul in uh, 2 Timothy 3, he says that all scripture is inspired. And when he's writing these words, he's thinking primarily of the Old Testament because we don't have a full New Testament by this point, even though a lot of the books have, have been written. So we see that. Paul talks uh, in other occasions about how the Old Testament was written for us. 
it, uh, it was written as example for us, and so we see that. We see how Jesus and Paul and the other New Testament authors are constantly referring back to the New Testament because it's the foundation for our faith. That it makes up 75% of the Bible, and so if you were to ignore the Old Testament, it'd be like picking up a book three-fourths of the way through. So think about like Lord of the Rings, for example. Uh, you know, if you pick up with Return of the King, you're gonna, you know, get some good stuff out of it, but you're gonna miss a ton just because you've missed that whole beginning. Can I, can I just say, we're a few minutes in, you've already mentioned Lord of the Rings. I, Sorry, I I'm can't help myself. I'm feeling better about yeah. how this is going all the time. I like, you know, I like that. And that'll be our next uh, service. We're gonna be talking about Lord of the Rings. Um, <laughs> yes, sir. Okay, Jen, go ahead. Um, also, for the Old Testament, it, it can be a little intimidating. There are names that are unfamiliar. We have a, a greater distance culturally and geographically from the Old Testament, and it, so it seems um, confusing and a little, little intimidating to do that. But, but the Old Testament really is foundational, and if you can get a handle on the big picture and what the big picture is saying in the Old Testament, it'll really help you start to fit in some of the details and where we're going with it. Um, but also the Old Testament can be a little intimidating because we seem to think of God as angry or, or intimidating in the Old Testament, whereas in the New Testament, this misconception that he's only love or only grace, but it's the same God in both places. And if you really read the Old Testament and dig into it, you see how much love and grace he has in the Old Testament. And so I would encourage you to read through that and watch for the number of times that the Israelites have walked away from God again, but then he calls them back and gives them another chance and gives them the, the provision to come back to him. Good. So um, now this book is called, well, it's called Samuel, the book of Samuel. Um, and maybe you could even give us some nuances as to why they've broken it up into one and two, or how does this connect with maybe how it's represented maybe in the Hebrew work itself or whatever. Uh, that's a freebie. But the idea is, why is it called Samuel? Is he the author of the book? Uh, what, how did it get his name? What's going on with Samuel? Uh, good question. The thing is, we don't know who wrote Samuel. It doesn't say. So Samuel is one of the main characters and one of the first leaders that we see in the book of Samuel. And so that's how we get the name of the book. Um, the rabbis have suggested maybe that it was written by Samuel, by Nathan, by Gad, who are all prophets that show up in the book. And certainly from the, in terms of uh, the language and the cultural that's written into the book, it seems to have been somebody who was either an eyewitness or very near, close in time to the events of the book. Yeah. And of course, Samuel's dead before we finish the first part of it, so he's, he's not likely writing uh, posthumously or whatever they would call it. Uh, okay, so um, in thinking about this then, since we have this idea that, that Samuel's a, a, a key figure, uh, he, he's central to what's going on here. He's the kingmaker, uh, as they call him. Um, oh, I, I don't know. Do I have date in here? When do you think it was written? Uh, this is a bonus. I didn't have this in the notes. When was it written? Do you know? Ish. So again, it looks like uh, you know people like Samuel, Nathan, and Gad that they're writing stuff down, you know, yeah. because they're connected with the events of David, and so it makes sense that the book would have been written uh, probably sometime soon after that, you know, after after we've got these records. So maybe late tenth century, somewhere in there. Yeah, I somewhere mean, in there. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Good. 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 I uh, had it in my notes, not in yours. Sorry about that. All right. So okay, now that we're studying it, what is the theme? What's the theme of First Samuel? What's it all about? So all about kingship, and we can think about this from a few different angles. So first is, and most important, is God's, God's kingship, right? We see that God is, is sovereign, and he portrays himself that way throughout the book because he is 
uh, sovereign over all events. He appoints leaders, even, even the, the Israel's kings. He's appointing them as leaders. But we can also think about God's kingship as it's revealed through Israel's kings themselves because they're people who are supposed to know the law and obey the law and lead the people in the law. And we also, even if we think about uh, like Genesis 1, right? God creates humanity in his image so that we can represent his rule, have dominion over the earth. So Israel's kings are, are meant to do that in a very specific way. Well, okay, so I got to go back to something. Well, if we don't know who wrote this, why are we putting all this time into this? I mean, how can we trust that this is part of what they often call the canon? Like, how, how can we know that this is, this is worth investing in, this is authentic? Why, why would we believe that this book is for us? Well, should we talk a little bit about what the canon is, too, you think, or oh, yeah, define the canon? Should, yeah, yeah, we probably should. So we should. Is, isn't, it, uh, isn't it a weapon that you put these metal <laughs> yes, balls exactly in and right. you shoot them out, uh, right? And then there's another version, uh, oh, yeah, which the, would be the one, one with, like a standard, perhaps. Right, yeah, yeah. right. Basically, the collection of books that we have in the Bible that tell us what to believe and uh, what we're supposed to do, how we're supposed to act. And when it comes to Samuel, the reason why we should trust it uh, is that we see the New Testament quotes it, and we see that, um, you know, there's general things like the concept of the Messiah and kingship that the New Testament picks up on. We can talk about specific things too. Uh, so Hannah's song of praise in uh, 1 Samuel 2. Compare that with uh, Mary's song of praise after the angel visits her, the, the Magnificat. So there's all kinds of tie-ins. And it's because of those kinds of things that the, uh, you know, early Jews and Christians never really doubted that uh, this was a book of the Bible. It should be part of the Bible. Yeah, so our predecessors didn't wrestle with it. We don't need to either, I guess. It does remind me too, I remember uh, when I was taking seminary classes, they would always talk about this one uh, passage in 2 Peter uh, 121, just as a reminder of how we've come to hold scripture. Uh, 2 Peter 121 says this, for no prophecy was ever or never produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And it is interesting to me how God has gotten his word to us through choosing various people of different degrees of, of intellect and experience, uh, education, and, and, and through their personalities communicated to us truth. And um, that is very much what we have, I think, in uh, our study of 1 Samuel, uh, is this uh, whoever has given this to us. It's just God is speaking to us through them. And we're hearing all about um, not just history, uh, but what we need to understand uh, as followers of Christ today. So uh, let's talk a little bit about what's going on. Now, I think this is essential. You, you don't get a good understanding of what 1 Samuel is all about unless you understand the context in what, which it was written. So what's going on in the background as we approach 1 Samuel? Right, so one of the important things to understand is that the book of Samuel comes in right at the end of the judges period. And the judges period in Israel's history is a time of, of um, chaos, really. You've, you don't have a strong centralized government. You've got 12 loosely connected federation of, of tribes who are trying to make their way in the world and emerging as a nation, but it's a struggle. They've, they're surrounded by other nations also emerging. The Philistines, for example, show up quite a bit in Samuel. And as they do that, they're looking for somebody who could lead them, somebody who can bring them all together and go out, fight those battles, establish their territory, establish their nation. And it's, it's kind of a scary time for them. They don't know 
if they're going to be safe, if they're going to be protected, if their kids are going to be safe. And so we need to understand that going in and that when the Israelites are asking for a king, it's a perfectly normal and natural thing, maybe with the wrong motives, but it's not like they're just being stupid. <laughs> um, they really have a good reason for what they're doing. Yeah, I think for me, that's always the, this is what we all have to be careful of when we approach scripture, because sometimes you come to scripture and you go like, they're so dumb, why would they make that decision? And you're like, whoa, 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 we're kind of that dumb all the time as well, right? It's just nobody's writing about our stories. Uh, but I do think that we have to be careful of what I love what one author calls it, of chronological snobbery, where you look back and you're like, oh, I'm so much smarter than those people that preceded me. Uh, and that's just foolish. They're as brilliant as we were. Uh, but I am reminded, Jen, of uh, something you said. So when when you read the book of Judges, and the Judges is all about these Judges who come up and they lead and they fight the battles, um, and then the book of Judges itself ends in Judges chapter 21, verse 25, saying, in those days there was no king in Israel, everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And so it seems like this connection between uh, kingship and good godly morals and, and the security that we need, like this is all wrapped up in that. And then 1 Samuel is kind of like this birthing of that. Now we need a leader. We need somebody to lead us. Because when we study 1 Samuel and we get to the point where Israel's asking for a king, you're going to look and you're going to be like, why would they do that? They've got God. They don't need that. But to what we've talked about already, like it makes sense. It's very logical. It's it's. It, it may be wrong theologically, but it, it, is, it, is, it makes sense in the, the flow of things. So, all right. Um, so let's talk about this now. What about the purpose? If we're saying this is all about kings, making kings, what would we say is the purpose of 1 Samuel? So again, it's, it's helpful for us to think about the big picture, right? And so if we're talking about the purpose, that helps us to think about, okay, what is the main, main reason why this book is written? And uh, really, the main reason why the book is written is to show that David is the, the chosen one. I guess if I can throw in a, a Star Wars reference there, too, if that's all right. Um, wow. We're going but, so uh, nerd today. I really yeah, yeah. appreciate this. Yeah, Thank yeah you. no, this is great. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he's, he's the, the heir of the covenant promises. You know, all those promises that God made to Abraham and to the Israelites, we're, we're trying to show that this, this is the guy. He's the one. Uh, and they're going to start coming to fruition through him. And, and we see this if we take a look at the first few chapters of the book of Samuel. So, you know, roughly like 1 Samuel 1 through 7, because we see that uh, Hannah's song serves as a, a kind of introduction to the book uh, where it talks about how God is sovereign. Uh, and then it talks about how at the very end of the song, it says, God will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. So even there, before Israel has a king, we see this mention of a, of a royal figure, the anointed, the Messiah, this king. And then when we take a look at uh, the next few chapters, they describe the rise of Samuel and then the fall of Eli and his household. This is a, a mini picture of the book in the sense that uh, we also have later on in the book, we've got the fall of Saul and the rise of David. So this is getting us ready to, getting us prepared to see how David is that chosen one. He's, he's on the rise up because God has, has selected him. Right, and in terms of, of leadership, um, looking at the fact that you don't have to be perfect to be in a leadership role, that you need to be obedient to God, that you need to be following him, because neither Samuel nor David, the ones who rise, uh, were perfect. 
but they had a heart that was willing to serve God and to come back and to repent when it came time. By contrast, we have Eli and Saul, who are the decreasing ones, and, and they, um, they're focused on themselves, their own honor, they're focused on ritualism and doing the right rituals, but their hearts weren't right with God. Um, so then to see that, that leaders don't need to be perfect, but they need to have a heart that's willing to serve God and to obey and to come back to him when they mess up. Yeah. Now, I love, so we've been throwing around these names. So you're sitting here this morning, probably. How, how many people here would say you're fairly familiar with, with 1 Samuel anyway? Just put your hand in the air. If you're, okay. Oh, I love it. Okay, it's perfect. All right. So for those who aren't, and there may be some, and I know, I know we've got some people who are brand new to the church, and uh, one visitor here this morning, I know uh, this is, the Bible's new to them completely. And so for those who are sitting out there going like, this is all like a foreign language to me, I bet it's not in the sense that I bet there are stories you've heard of, even if you didn't really grow up much in church, and even if you haven't read much of the Bible. Now, you've alluded to some of the main figures. What are some of the stories that people would hear them and go, oh, is that in here? I didn't know that was in here. Yeah, I've heard of that. Right, so we've already mentioned Samuel, Saul, and David, and those are the big names. Some of the others, uh, Hannah, Eli, Jonathan, Michal, um, these are some of the characters you're going to find. But the story, the big one, David and Goliath. Um, you're going to find that. You're going to find the story of David's rise to kingship um, and, you know, the, the, the miraculous gift of Samuel to his mother Hannah. Uh, these are some of the, the more familiar stories. Yeah, I love that. I love the call of Samuel, which I'm going to have fun with. Were you going to say something to you? I didn't want to interrupt you, Ben. So, and one of the smaller stories that, that people may not remember, but it's one of the ones that always strikes me, uh, is the Witch of Endor in, uh, in 28. Uh, Endor, by the way, always reminded me of Return of the Jedi with the Ewoks. Yeah. So uh, not connected, by the way. I think they're different. Uh, places, but the the whole idea of the witch of Endor, and then totally her being surprised when she actually does indeed call a spirit, and you could tell she's caught off guard by the whole thing. So just a, a really fun story there. Um, go ahead. One more thing, if you don't mind, um, the Book of Psalms has Samuel as a backdrop. So many of David's psalms were written with these stories in mind. So when we study the Book of Samuel, it's not just for Samuel, but also helps us understand some of the psalms better as well. Oh yeah, because he's fleeing, he's worried for his life, he's appealing to the Lord, and he's writing these. You know, he's processing this, I think, with the Lord in the Psalms. Yeah, that's, that's a beautiful connection. Thanks for making that. Uh, okay, so uh, we've talked about the various stories. Who would you say is your favorite person in the book of First Samuel? It's kind of hard to pick a favorite person. Can I pick a, a favorite story, maybe? Is that okay? Yeah, that's fine. Um, so I really like, this is in First Samuel 15, where Samuel has commanded Saul. He said, okay, destroy all the Amalekites and destroy all of their stuff, too. And so Saul fights against them, but he doesn't do exactly what he was told. He doesn't, he doesn't kill the king, Agag, and he doesn't kill all their animals. Instead, he keeps them uh, for himself because he says that he's going to um, offer them up to the Lord. And uh, this is just a really great scene um, because we've got this, this great dialogue and what happens right after that where uh, Samuel comes up and he's kind of like, what are you doing? Why didn't you do what I told you to? And Saul's like, no, I, I did. I did exactly what you said. And Samuel's like, no, what, why, why do I hear these sheep that are making sounds? And why am I hearing all these animals? And, and Saul tries to protest and be like, well, I did do what I was told, you know, but, but he didn't. And we read that and it's, it's kind of a funny story because it's like, how could, how could Saul be so dumb? I mean, you were talking before about how we, we often look back on these, these characters and we're like, how could they do these things? 
But uh, you know, when I think about it, I do the exact same thing myself where I think I know what's, what's better than God, and so I try to do my own thing, and so I'm really not all that different from Saul. Mm. And uh, as I think about that, and also thinking about Samuel's response where he says, uh, just confronting Saul after this, he says that to obey is better than sacrifice, right? This idea that your heart, your, your approach towards God is ultimately what matters, not... Um, you know, not, not, not all these other things, not did I, did I perform this sacrifice correctly or do this other thing correctly, but was my heart in the right place? That's just a really great reminder to me, I think. And that phrase, to obey is better than sacrifice. I mean, that is such an epic phrase. And it makes so much sense that God's like, you know, I delight much less in all the stuff you try to bribe me with than, than you just following my word and my will. I uh, love that, to obey is better than sacrifice. Absolutely. Uh, Jen? Um, I would say my favorite is Hannah, um, just to watch her persistence and perseverance in prayer for years and years for a child. And then when God, you know, miraculously shows up, brings her a son, she hands him back and gives him back to the Lord. And that sets us up. I mean, that's Samuel, that he's set up for this leadership chain that continues through the book of Samuel. Um, I also appreciate some of the humor in the story where she goes to pray, you know, and uh, Eli, the priest, says, are you drunk? You know, because <laughs> she's praying in her heart and her lips are moving. She's like, no, no, I'm just praying. Yeah, um, so, but, yeah well, if I had a dollar for every drunk woman that showed up here praying at the church, I would, I'd be broke. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, okay, so, but this brings up a good point. So we've got all these great stories, we've got these great characters, uh, and they're, it's just beautiful to see how God has worked this out. But in the New Testament, I get these, uh, I, I very much these teaching passages about, like, here's what God said, now go and do likewise. Now, this is more story, much less of the, therefore, Christian, now go and do likewise. So how then do we apply these stories from an Old Testament uh, work, in particular for Samuel? Right, so these are not commands, and we have to be really careful because we're going to see a lot of people doing a lot of things, both good and bad. So you don't want to take these necessarily immediately as examples to follow. Um, remember that they are stories, um, and there's a difference between description, in other words, the telling of a story, and prescription, the giving of a command. And so as we read through them, remember that that narrative or story shows more than it tells. So you need to be really careful about how you read and interpret those stories from Samuel. And I think another important thing to keep in mind, too, is that we need to not just read uh, the Old Testament and some of these stories as examples to follow or to not follow. I, I think we do that a lot, right? Like uh, we can read the story of David and Goliath and okay, it teaches us about how we can conquer our fears through God. And, that, and that's certainly something that we want, to, we want to think about, but that's not in the end what's the most important. These characters, they're just characters and God is ultimately the main character. And so we need to think about what he's doing you know, how is he accomplishing his purposes? What are we learning about him? How he's sovereign, how he's holy, whatever it might be. How do we see that in the book? That's the main thing, not these lessons that we can learn from individual flawed human people. Yeah, it's, you know, one of the commentaries you recommended to me on First and Second Samuel was uh, from the Teach the Text series by uh, Robert Chisholm Jr. And he makes an interesting comment in the first, because he wrestles with that as well. Like, as I'm gonna teach this now uh, to, to you, uh, how do we process this? And he says, I always ask myself two questions. One, how does God reveal himself in this passage? 
which I love. How does God reveal himself in this passage? In other words, uh, what does this teach me about God's character? Uh, the second, how does God relate to his people in this passage? In other words, how does God intervene in the story and or respond to the actions of the human characters? And so then there's two things I'm getting from this. One is I see the character of God clearly revealed. And then I see how uh, men and women respond to him. And that gives me some, uh, some way to process how I should interact with a God of the same character uh, as I live my life. Um, yeah. Okay. So if First Samuel were a movie on Netflix, uh, what would you rate it? Just for fun. I suppose it depends on how much you actually show from the book. Uh, so definitely like PG-13, probably, probably R-rated, because uh, I mean, this, this is the thing about the Bible, isn't it? That the Bible is, is, is real. It describes real people, real events, and uh, both the good and the bad. And in Samuel, we've got a lot of just you know, really violent things. There's, yeah. there's that scene after the, um, I was describing how, uh, how Saul didn't listen to Samuel, right? So Samuel actually carries out the order where it talks about how he goes to that king that, that Saul refused to kill, and he hacks him to pieces. It, it literally uses those words. Yeah, it does. Hacks him to pieces. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's, it's really violent there. And we see other stuff like how, how Eli and his whole household, they all die in one day. Uh, we see how Saul commits suicide at the end. So it's, it's, it's just got a lot, of, uh, a lot of tragic things in it. Yeah. I, the one thing it does remind me of, though, like, we try to make all these stories, like, and I'm, I chose Netflix on purpose, so, like, we try to make all these stories that we get engaged to, but the stories are fake, and maybe in some ways that's why we can tolerate them, because we know they're fake, but there, there's something they're trying to tap into. This is that. I mean, this is, this is it for real, and this is one of those stories that, uh, actually, frankly, I wish were a movie. It'd be fun to watch, but, uh, well, not fun, but it would be informative, but this is, it would, it captures us because of the depth of what's going on emotionally emotionally, relationally, spiritually. I mean, this is really powerful uh, as a book, which is why I'm looking forward to just a week-by-week -week breakdown uh, of walking through this book. I think it'd be a lot of fun. So here's, the, here's another question. How then does it tie into what I would call salvation history? That is, if we know that ultimately we end up at Jesus, how does 1 Samuel get us to Jesus? There's a, there's a few different ways that Samuel, the book of Samuel does this. So first of all, it sets up David as the king as the ideal king of Israel. He, he becomes the, the standard for all future kings. We see that um, under his reign, it becomes kind of like a, a golden age, the, the good old days of sorts. And so ever after him, people are looking back and they're like, hey, wouldn't it be great if we could go back to the time of David where we had this king who, who followed God and he wasn't perfect, but he was repentant. So we see that and it sets up this concept of you know, let's, let's, let's hope that another king's going to come about another time. Uh, so we see that. But also thinking about David's failures, and I think this is a way that we see the Old Testament just more generally pointing to the Messiah. But we, again, we see that David was not perfect, right? He messed up. And so even this person that they look to, uh, that they, they hold up as the standard of kingship, wasn't perfect. And this is just a continuation of, of the whole storyline that we find throughout the Bible where you see Adam and Eve, you know, things are looking good. We expect them to obey. They don't. Then we have other people come along. We have Noah. We have Abraham. And, and each time we're like, okay, is this person going to do what they're supposed to do? Are they going to follow God the way that they're supposed to? And they don't. And so we're disappointed, but that disappointment creates this expectation that sometime somebody's going to come along and do exactly what God wants them to, and it points to Jesus in that way. Mm, that's good. That's good. So 
if somebody then, and I, hopefully by this point we're already past that, but if somebody here is thinking about, like, is, is this practical to my life today? If, if we're going to study, if we're going to take our time, and you know here at Sandhills we take our time, if we're going to take our time going through a book, is this going to be practical to my day-to-day living as we study for Samuel? No, not at all. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, thank you. All right. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I mean, first of all, God is the same yesterday, today, forever. If you want to know about who God is, you can go to the book of Samuel, just like any other book of the Bible, to find out what he's like, who, how he acts, what he expects, how he interacts with humanity. Um, but also to be aware of how he deals with humanity, specifically in terms of leadership. And we see in the book of Samuel how he takes Eli and Saul, who don't obey him, and removes them from leadership because of that disobedience. And so each of us leads in some way or another. If you're influencing somebody around you, you're leading. And if you're doing that and obeying God, then he's going to encourage you and bless you and continue to, to help you do what you're doing well. But if you're going to disobey and if you're not going to represent God well, you may be at risk of being removed from that position. And so we need to be aware of that aspect as well. And that's something we see very clearly in the book of 1 Samuel. Mm, that's good. Yeah, and even on the, on the flip side of things, so somebody like David, who is generally obedient and God, God makes him king, that doesn't mean that everything goes, goes well for him. He actually has a lot of struggles in life. And uh, we mentioned Psalms earlier, right? And how David wrote a lot of Psalms in response to the, the things that he experienced, a lot of those struggles. And a lot of these Psalms are, are lament, you know, where he's crying out to God asking, okay, why God, why is this happening? Please change my, my circumstances. And I think that shows us that uh, lament and struggles, you know, God doesn't, God doesn't promise us that everything's going to go well uh, and that it's okay to express those kinds of, of feelings that we have to God. We don't want to stay there, right? We ultimately want to make sure we're trusting in God and hopefully we're working towards praise, but that's a very real part of our, really uh, real part of our lives. And uh, as we come to trust him, as we come to praise him, we'll see his sovereignty even in those difficult situations. Mm. So as we uh, kind of close things up a little bit here, then what is your big takeaway from 1 Samuel? Well, we like to idolize um, our leaders. We like to look to the, the, those that we follow and say, I want to be just like them. But we find that ultimately those leaders will, will fail us in some way or another, um, whether it be a, a media leader, a political leader, a spiritual leader, whatever it is, at some point they fall short. And ultimately through the book of Samuel and through our lives, we find that we want to trust God, that he's the ultimate leader. He does not fail us. And he's the one that we need to look to and to idolize and to, to follow hard after. Mm, that's good. Yeah. And just uh, going off of that a little bit, I like to go uh, back to Hannah's song where she again emphasizes God's sovereignty. And the, the song starts off in the very first verse of it. She says, there's no one holy like the Lord. There's no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. So again, just pointing us back to God's sovereignty is definitely a, a big takeaway. And I think that should encourage humility in us um, because if God's sovereign and we're fallen, uh, then we need to remember that, uh, you know, we're not God and we need to follow him the best we can and rely on his spirit to do so. Um, and also to be repentant when we do mess up, right? Again, David is not perfect because he does everything right, 
but uh, it's because he's redemptive and repentant in the end. And hopefully that's our attitude, an attitude of humility before God. Mm, that's good. And I, I'm reminded of just what you said earlier about there's, there's this weird mix of things. So God's not karma. That is where we do good things, we get good stuff in, in response. And then if we do bad things, we get bad things. Um, you know, it's not, God's not that. Uh, and yet... There is this thing of obedience brings its own blessing and obedience does bring God's reward. And it is not a behavior for salvation kind of idea. It is that God delights to bless his children. He delights to pour out gifts on his children, but he also expects his children will walk with him. And so there's, that'll be a fun thread, I think, to tease out uh, as we go through this. Um, and then, of course, um, I do think uh, there is a connection to the Lord of the Rings, if I may add. So I was just finished with this since you brought it up earlier. So the thing I love about uh, not just the Lord of the Rings, uh, Freddie, anybody like Lord of the Rings out there? Just both of you? Okay. So the, um, the Lord, thing I love about epic stories, just these, these epic adventures, these epic stories, where you have this giant culmination of good and evil, and there's no doubt who's on whose side by the end of this thing. And, and it looks like, like evil becomes this tidal wave, which I think is very, very much a metaphor for how our culture seems to us today, that like this, this dark wave of evil is about to wash over all of us, and it is doom and gloom, and it's over. And right when you think it's over, you know, this amazing thing happens, good wins, evil's ultimately defeated, and you're on the other side of it going, wow, like how did we even get here? Like to me, that's the Christian adventure. Like this whole idea of like, it looks dark, the days are turning evil, what's gonna happen? Oh, we're lost, oh, it's a, society's turning against us. And then boom, you just God does his thing, Jesus returns, puts everything right, and we're like, oh my goodness. And it's like, yeah, why did we lose faith uh, in this whole thing? And I think that's what we're gonna see in this first Samuel. It's like, things look dark, it's over. And I'm thinking about David when he's on the run, like, you know, Lord, I'm trying to do the right thing here, and now I'm being hunted down, and how's this turning out? I thought I was following you, and then... Everything's great. You know, God takes care of it and uh, David ends up where he's supposed to be. So I think we're going to have fun in this journey of 1 Samuel. I hope this has been a good introduction for you uh, as we've talked about it. Now, some of you may have some more questions, maybe even some more technical questions, and it might be fun to ask those of seminary professors. And so what we're going to do is if you guys will go to the cafe after service is over today, maybe stand around the fireplace area. And then if you have a question you'd like to ask them about any of their cool Old Testament Hebrew women's leadership kind of stuff, uh, then you can certainly go meet them there. Uh, but I think we should give them a big round of applause for being here with us today. Thank you, guys. All right, let me pray for us. Father God, thank you for the privilege of studying your word. And uh, Lord, just being reminded even of the, the passage that was shared today, to obey is better than sacrifice. May it be that as we follow Christ, uh, we submit our lives well, um, not for the purpose of gaining any favor from you, but just for the point of honoring the God we love who gave his life for us. Uh, Lord, things will go better for us when we submit ourselves to your plan. We love you and we thank you for this time this morning in your holy name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for coming today. You guys are dismissed.